Before we do anything else, let's start. Let's start in prayer where everything begins. I know that God is, and we are. I know that there is one power and presence in the universe. There is one creative energy, one universal intelligence, and we call this spirit God, Christ consciousness, Buddha mind, Bob, whatever we decide to call it, we know it is the ground of all being. It is the energy that makes up everything in form and the spaces in between form and everything out of form. It is the, the beginning and the ending and everything in between. We know that there is there's just no way to define it, encapsulate it in any one definition. It is. It is. It simply is. And we know that that is the truth of each and every one of us. That energy which drives the universe, which has created all the stars and galaxies and planets, that same energy created us and beats our heart and breathes our breath and digests our food. That same energy lives life through us and as us. We are the activity of spirit. And I and I'm just so grateful. <laughs> we get together to explore that, to understand it, to know of ourselves and each other as that one divine life of spirit individualizing itself as everything. So I give thanks for everything. I give thanks for the, the ground that we walk on, which is holy ground. It is the body of God. And we come together to remember that for ourselves and for each other. And I give great thanks for all of it. I simply let it be. And so it is. Well, we made it. <laughs> this is the last Sunday in March. It is the last talk of the monthly theme, Cultivating Authenticity. And so today's talk is Growing in Grace. And, you know, I've been thinking, well, I do that a lot. <laughs> we, we're looking at being authentic, right, and what it takes to be authentic, in, to be our authentic selves in the world. Mustering the courage allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, standing in our truth, belonging to something greater than ourselves, and also the ability to stand alone in our truth when necessary, staying true to our spiritual convictions, the truth of this, of this philosophy, and then living and demonstrating the qualities of God in the world. And it, all of it, I think all of it takes faith. Right? So that's really what our, our spiritual practice is, is growing the faith to be able to do all of that. And we have to trust as well that all of that is the way for us to go. Right? We have to trust that that spiritual walk that we're doing is right for us. It's the best path. I mean, there are any number of paths we can take. And I think, I don't remember who it was, Buddha, somebody, said that, you know, all paths lead to God. You know, there are many paths up the mountain, but we're all going to the same place. You pick the one you resonate with. You pick that faith philosophy that serves you and that you feel comfortable and challenged by and really feel it is, it is the truth for you as well, what is right for us, what, is, what the best thing is for us. And like, Maya Angelou said in that quote last week, the price is high, the reward is great, right? We get to live our authentic selves. We get to live the best self that we can by living these principles. So, so let's talk about that, right? I mean, where I went with that and with this talk and with this whole month and with um, and today's talk title is, what are we doing all this work for? <laughs> 
I was like, don't you get there? Don't sometimes you just feel that way? And like, what are we doing all this work for? What exactly are we on this spiritual path to accomplish? I mean, yeah, I know, right? We do the work and joy. We don't, we don't talk about the work as like, oh, work. We have to come in today on Sunday. Come on, time for your spiritual work. Ugh, you know, it sounds like, sounds like punishment. No, but, it's, but sometimes it is work, right? But we, we do the work in joy. We do it in love. We do it in wonder. But it still takes dedication, doesn't it, to, to continue to adhere to the spiritual principles. It takes self-discipline. It takes courage to walk the walk that we do in, in this faith philosophy and maybe in every faith philosophy. And sometimes, just sometimes, I think it might be easier if I went through life like most folks, unconscious. Do you, ever, do you ever think, you know, like, would it have been better if I just kind of barreled through life like everybody else, you know, totally asleep and just bumping up against people and then blaming them, you know? Sometimes it would just be so much better, you know? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, it reminds me of the place in the Bible, was it at Genesis 2, right? Genesis 1, where God made man and woman together. And it was like, you know, the, the archetypal feminine and masculine were, were created together. And then it wasn't until Genesis 2 where they decided, no, no, we're going to do it separately. <laughs> and they put Adam to sleep, took the rib, made woman, you know, that whole thing. Makes me laugh all the time because, you know, for the rest of the Bible, nowhere in it does it say Adam ever woke up. <laughs> so there you go, right? We're, we're barreling through life kind of asleep. Okay, whatever, you know, and it reminds me of like when I was young, you know, when we were in our 20s and we have no clue and, you know, we're just sort of reacting to everything and blaming people and pointing the finger or else we submarine. Do you ever do that? You know, like somebody gets under your skin and you just like go away. You just ghost them, you know, I think that's what they call it now. We go invisible, out of touch or whatever. But, but see, here's the thing, and here, here's what I know, is that we don't find happiness there, right? We just don't find happiness there. We can't have peace of mind there when we're asleep and we're just blaming others for our problems and we're just pointing fingers and stuff. We don't find peace of heart there. So instead, we look for things that will provide that for us. We come to a faith philosophy like this where we can awaken. We can awaken to the truth. We look for things like this. The new thought, progressive things, where we begin to question our choices. I've done this and this and this all my life, you know? And so, like, we look at those habit behaviors. Are they paying off for me? Are they providing, are they serving the me that I am today? Because if they're not, what new thought do I want to gravitate to that will serve the me that I am today? The me that is with the expanded consciousness, the me that is looking for more than just, you know, skating by on the surface and blaming everybody for my life, <laughs> you know? We question those choices. We go within and we think those new thoughts the ones that Ernest Holmes provided, and we, and we do. We question our lives, and why do I react the way I do? You know, when somebody pushes your button and you just, like, light up, you know, all over the place, and you blame people for whatever, you know, for your reactions, and then we start thinking, well, why do I react that way? Where does that come from, right? We start doing that deep healing work. Where, what is my personal cosmology? What, where is my place in the world? All of those big thoughts, because we're starting to awaken. We're starting to awaken. Frederick Nietzsche said, and once you are awake, you shall remain awake eternally. 
Oh, see, so now you're here. You're already doing the work. There's no going back. You can't go back to sleep. Sorry, you know. There's no going back, right? We don't get to go back to sleep. And Ernest Holmes said in the, in the textbook, the awakening is a process of evolution. A little here, a little there, until the whole eye is opened. And we see that life is neither separate from God nor different from good. Life is God, and good is the only power there is. And this is what we're awakening to. This is what we're coming into. Now, when something happens, right, you don't just automatically react like you used to, right? You don't automatically scream and yell and stomp your feet and blame everybody else and then play the part of the victim. Oh, my God. You know, you remember with the Velcro hand? Oh, my God. Why are they doing this to me? You know, we get out of that level of consciousness, that kingdom one consciousness, the victim, right? So now something unexpected happens. What do we do? We have trained ourselves to use the gap. Remember the gap? God's area of preparation. God's area of preparation. We allow ourselves to just take that little moment some between, between you know, the action and the reaction. So now we have space there. So something happens, and instead of reacting, we respond. We go within. We question. We contemplate. We ask better questions. When something happens, we don't, ah, you know, you, just, you throw up all over everybody. We go, with, what is this about, right? We go within. What am I learning here? Which is sometimes not, you know, whatever. But you face it, right? What is going on here? What is being birthed through me by this event that I'm experiencing? What do I need to know about this situation? We start asking all those big questions, right? Instead of just blaming somebody and getting angry. You know, that, that idea of... Um, you know, the, the guy on the line in the coffee shop, right? When, and then he gets his latte, whatever it is, I don't know. And, and he turns around to walk to his seat and somebody bumps into him. And the coffee gets all over the place, right? And he gets really, really angry. <sighs> so what is he really, really angry about, right? Well, he's angry because somebody bumped him. But, but coffee is what spilled all out. Why did the coffee spill all out? Because coffee was what was in his cup. Right? So when you get bumped into, what spills out all over? Anger or compassion? Right? You, have to, you have to go within and, and take that time out. Right? The only reason why coffee went all over the place is coffee was what was in the cup. So when you get bumped, what comes out of you? Forgiveness, compassion, empathy, or anger and blame? <laughs> That's what we're doing. That's what God's area of preparation is for. Figure out what's going to come out of you. So we allow ourselves to go within, to question, to contemplate, to ask those better questions. Oh, what am I doing? You know, what's going on here? What is there to learn? What, is, what do I need to know? That's living in grace. That's part of living in grace. All right, we don't automatically blame somebody else. And Ernest Holmes in The Magic of the Mind said this, the great and only awakening that can ever come to the human is when he, think, when he becomes aware of the fact that that which enables him to think, to be conscious, to be creative, is the mind of God active within him. That's all it is, right? And that's grace, living the power of spirit that is within us. Just living that power, just allowing it to flow through us, that is living with grace, living in grace. 
Grace is given freely. It is our inheritance. It's one of those things that we were born into because we are human, because we came into physical being. The grace came with us. God's grace is part of the deal. We have it because we are here, like our inheritance. Ernest Holmes said, now the law of grace is the givingness of God. It's the givingness. It's the stuff that's already been given. You come into it filled with it. Just like the law. We didn't make the law either. We talk about the love and law. Ernest Holmes talked extensively about those aspects of God, love and law. Love points the way. Law makes the way possible. We didn't make the law. We use it. We use the law. And, And it is grace that we're already living in that must be accepted by us. It is the good of God surrounding us within us, but we have to awaken to that. We have to awaken to the fact that it's already ours. And that's where faith comes in, right? We have it, we grow it, we use it, faith. In in the talk, Love the Lodestone of Life, Ernest said, the man is, well, the human, you know, he spoke in the the, masculine gender all the time because it was like in the 1930s, that's what everybody did. So, the human is a center of the consciousness of God, and since God is everywhere, it naturally follows that we are always at the threshold of wisdom and guidance and peace and power and love. And we may enter in and possess the kingdom of good if we have the will to do so. But first, we must have the faith that it really exists. And, ha- and haven't you proven that to yourself time and time again, right? You do prayer, you do affirmations, you um, sit and meditate. We've proven it to ourselves, and, and conditions in our lives have changed. We prove it to ourselves over and over and over again. We should basically, by now, rely on it like, like we do gravity, Right? Not even doubt. There shouldn't even be a doubt in our mind anymore. I hold the, you know, if I hold a pencil out and I let go of it, I'm not worried it's going to just float there. You know? I'm absolutely convinced. You know, gravity takes over. It's going to fall to the floor. That's how convinced we must be with our spiritual practice, with, with the faith that God always, always works for us. This is the beginning of the entire spiritual path, isn't it? Developing faith. Developing faith and trust in these spiritual principles that they work, that they work with us and for us. Developing the faith that the things in the unseen develop into things in the seen by way of our spiritual practice. This is the divine creative process and how it works. This is by way of our belief and knowing our spiritual practice works. Why do, you, why do we do treatment, right? Why do we do affirmative prayer? We know it works. Would you do things that don't work? Well, sometimes we did. <laughs> but hopefully we've grown out of that stage, right? But we do things that work. We know spiritual mind treatment. We know affirmative prayer works. That's why we do it. We have a challenge in our life. We go to prayer because we know it works. We know because we've tried it. We've tested it. We've done it. It's changed conditions in our lives. We know it. And there is a big difference between knowing and believing, right? You know, look, think about the first time you came here. Maybe you used GPS, or maybe you used a map. <laughs> I'm that old. Okay. Maybe you didn't use a map. But maybe somebody gave you directions on how to get here, right? You had to go on, on just, like, belief that they were right, and you would get here. But after you got here, do you need belief to get back here again? No, because you have knowledge, right? The next time, you don't need the map. You don't need the GPS. You have knowledge. It works. I know where it is. They didn't move it. <laughs> you know, it's still here. You don't need that. 
belief. Oh, I hope I get there this time. <laughs> That's the difference. That's the difference. We know where we're going now, and faith is like that. Faith means really being convinced of the truth of something. Being convinced of the truth of something. I know, I know affirmative prayer works. I absolutely know it. I rely on it. So, so the, let's go back to those old Bible quotes because I know you probably have heard them all. They're all in the, in the you know, lexicon. <laughs> the Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Man, that used to just bug me. <laughs> like, what are they talking about? Anyway, it is the confidence, the confidence that what we hope for, what we pray for will actually happen. And it gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Things move from the invisible to the visible realm through our passion and purpose, through our prayer, through our, through our knowledge of science of mind and, and uh, spirit and our treatment. We know things move from the invisible realm to the visible realm because it already exists in the invisible. That's what we get to rely on. That's our faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for actually happens. And it gives us the, insur- the assurance of things that we can't see, the things in the invisible realm. And, it, and we must come to rely on God's grace, the stuff we were born with, and that impersonal and infallible action of the law to manifest our word. This is what we rely on. This is the love in the law. And that takes faith. It takes faith to really rely on this stuff all the time and know it works. But not faith alone, I don't think, right? Let's go to another one of those quotes about um, faith. It says, uh, James 22, 14 said, Also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And that's kind of the age old, you know, conversation, right? We always talked about, you know, what do you save by grace or faith? What do you, or faith or works, faith or works. And it's like, no, neither, both, and. Ah, oh, we're religious science. <laughs> In a Tuesday class, Ernest Holmes said, grace is given, right? We talked about that just right before, right? Grace is given. We're, we are filled with grace just because we were born. We came into this life. Grace is what we come with. But Ernest Holmes said, grace is given, but then we have to do something with it. Ah, that's the putting the feet onto it, right? That's what Ernest Holmes, treat and move your feet. Grace is given, but we have to do something with it, or else it's just theory, and we're just coming here once a week just to chat each other up, right? We have to put it to work. We have to do something with it. Hmm. In Ephesians, it says, for it is by grace you've been saved, and we're going to talk about that word. (laughs) It's by faith you have saved, but through faith, by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Because isn't that kingdom two consciousness? When you, when you have that kingdom one, oh my God, why is this happening to me? Why is this going all over? And you're the victim, right? And then you give up the blame and shame and you move to kingdom two conscience where it's like, I'm doing it. It's, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's me, it's me. I'm manifesting all kinds of stuff. And, and it's like, what do they call this phase? Princes, palaces, and parking places, right? We start manifesting like crazy, but we're like, I, I do this, I do this. And then we realize somewhere along the way, no, you came into this world with grace. You use the law through the building of your faith, and things start changing around you. But we have to remember we're co-creating in spirit. We are co-creating in spirit. It's never us alone. 
And that's really your faith, right? I'm relying on a power and presence greater than I am that I can use, thank you, Ernest Holmes, and change my life. But, I, but it starts in, in faith. I have to have faith that this actually works. We must rely on our faith and by the grace of spirit that we came along with, which is already in us, we go about doing our works, directing the law through our word, manifesting change in conditions, not by our own self, little self, but by spirit working through us. So, so the question goes back to, I'm, I'm going to go back to that word again. Are we saved? What the heck are we saved? I'm sorry. What are we saved from, first of all, right? We have to redefine that word, right? We're saved. Ernest Holmes said that means from the lesser to the greater. Or we move from, we, we evolve from the, the smaller self to the greater self. That's what being saved is. We just, we evolve in our spiritual consciousness. We expand our consciousness. So that is how he defined it. And I like that. I like that idea. So are we saved? Are we grown? Let's just use that word. Are we grown through faith or through works? <laughs> well, Ernest Holmes addressed that. He said, in our system, we put them both together. And we say the possibility of salvation, another hot button word we're going to talk about. He said, not not salvation of the soul, but again, the movement of the, the, the lesser to the greater. Lies in works through grace. You see how that goes? I love that. Grace means that which is given. Works means that which we earn. Since everything is given, we still have to earn the right to use it. To even know that it's there by perception and through action. This is why Ernest Holmes said, treat and move your feet. And I know that's a really popular expression and everybody has heard it, but you never knew what was behind it, right? That's what's behind it. And then he said, and, and there is a difference between knowing and believing. And we talked about that, right? The difference between knowing and believing. You can believe all sorts of stuff, but if you never prove it to yourself, it's not knowing. When you prove it, when you demonstrate it over and over, when you do spiritual mind treatment and stuff changes in your life, you know. You get to that point where you absolutely know this works. So this, so, so this is what we're looking at, grace. It's already ours by the fact that we're here. And growing in grace, at which was the title of the talk, was really, eh, <laughs> I wasn't so fond of it. I chose it, and I wasn't so fond of it. But it's really growing in our awareness, isn't it? It's growing in our awareness that we, we are already grace. We are already filled with it. We're already surrounded by it. It is the truth of us already. So we're not growing in grace. We're growing in our awareness that this is the truth of our lives. And then the law. It is up to us to direct and manifest it so that things change in our lives. And then faith. We must come to develop the faith in our spiritual practice. And that's what we do the spiritual practice for every day, to develop the faith, to know and believe, to trust and rely on grace pointing the way and, and the law making the way happen. Faith is relying on spirit. God has our back, and we need to depend on that. God has our back, always. Always. If you, if you never had to worry about whether or not things were going to work out for me, if you never had to worry about that, because you absolutely, God has my back, and I've got, pfft, you have nothing to worry about, do you? God and I are a majority. You would have nothing to worry about. I know that that's, 
doesn't sound good for some people. <laughs> some of us just love to worry. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> we just love to worry, you know? Worrying is like, what did they, the old statement about uh, worrying is like rocking in a rocking chair. You can expend a lot of energy, but it never gets you anywhere, you know? That's what worry is. But some of us like to do it, okay. But if we knew, really knew, if we had the faith to trust God having our back at all times, at all, you know, at all times, we wouldn't have to worry about anything. God has our back and we can depend on it. We cannot change grace that we came with. It's a given. We cannot alter the law. The law is impersonal, infallible aspect of God that we get to direct. So the only thing we can change to change conditions in our life is expand our faith. That's it. That's what it comes down to. And so how do we do that? You know how we do that. Our spiritual practice. Our spiritual practice expands our faith. That's a biggie. Prayer, meditation, visioning, um, affirmations on the wall, all that kind of stuff. That expands our faith. Healing your past expands your faith. You know, Rick Warren said, we're a product of our past, but we're not prisoners of it. So no matter what happened in your past, you get to heal it. We get to heal our false beliefs and our limiting thoughts to express more and more faith in our present. We have to resolve all our guilt and fear. Someone, and I don't know who it was that said this, so you can look it up if you want, because I couldn't find it. But someone said, fear, if fear is cultivated, it, proves, it becomes stronger. If faith is cultivated, it achieves mastery. I love that. Exactly right. We have no reason to fear. God's got our back anyway. What is there to be afraid of, right? God's got our back anyway. With, with spirit as our partner, what the heck, you know? There is nothing to be afraid of. And guilt, guilt is just that reminder that maybe you did things a little inelegantly. You know those times? You know those times I always think of that little thing? What was that guy's name? I can't remember now. Jiminy Cricket, thank you. The little Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder going, Psst, hey, you know that thing you just did? Don't do it again. <laughs> right? It was a little inelegant of you. You know those, all those unskilled behaviors we have. But that's what guilt is good for, to remind us, a little tap on the shoulder, that little, ooh, you know, I could have said that differently, or I could have done something better in that situation, or I could have whatever. It's got a shelf life of like five seconds. That's it. That's all it's good for. You carry guilt around with you forever, then it doesn't, it turns from, yeah, I did that really poorly, to, oh, I'm a terrible person. You see what a huge difference that is? That, yeah, that's the kind of guilt we don't need, right? So five seconds on guilt, and that's it. It's just, a it's just a reminder to do things different next time. The other way we build faith is by connecting with like-minded people. We are here. Look at us. We are here. We're ho at home too, I know. <laughs> but you're watching, so that's great. We are here in all of this. We are being lifted by each other, by each one of us remembering, I know God is you. I know God as you. I know that you are an outpicturing of the divine. We get together with like-minded people to reinforce ourselves. Uh, we need to listen to each other, right? This is why we do the Miracle Minute. Don't you love the Miracle Minute? Oh my God, lives are being changed right in front of us. And that's why we do that, as a reminder. Yeah, spirit works all the time in our favor, evolving and, and creating better circumstances for us. And then we need to activate our faith. Move our feet. Move our feet. Put feet to our faith. Serve, help, provide. You never know where it's going to lead. You never know what opportunities are going to be uh, on the other side of your helping or serving someone else. 
Martin Luther King, faith is, the first, is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's what serving in faith does. You wind up going places and meeting people and serendipity happens and coincidence and all kinds of great things come out of it and jobs and loves and all kinds of stuff and you didn't know it when you went into it. Just activate your faith. So we wind up right where we started. Why? <laughs> Why? Why do we do this? Why do we go through all this? Why do, we, why do we wake up? Why do we even start down this spiritual path? Why do we grow our faith and, and rely on spirit and command the law? Why? Because this is how our life works better. This is how we evolve and become more authentic and, and live that strong and crazy and outrageous and honest life. Because this is the way our life works better. This is the place of peace. This is where we begin to live in the flow. This is where we are absolutely supported by God, held in truth, surrounded by love, led in joy, and live in grace. And then not only are we a miracle, we're spirit's miracle. We're living our authentic self as God intended us to be. Our one and only authentic self that nobody else can be. We are living that and we're living it in joy and love and total self-expression and total self-actualization. And that's where we want to be. And that's being our best self is how we change the world. Thank you so much. <laughs>